you have a Bible, why don't you uh, just flop it open? We're going to run all over the place. The message entitled, What About the Millennial Kingdom? The prophet Ezekiel gives a good record of God's involvement with Israel and the world affairs through the visions and revelations that he gave to him. The commission of Ezekiel is found in chapter 1 through 3. The present judgment of God on Judah and Jerusalem prior to the fall is chapter 4 through 24. The future judgment of the Gentile nations after the fall of Jerusalem are recorded from 25 to 32. And then the future physical restoration of the land and spiritual regeneration of Israel is given in Ezekiel 33 to 39. The invasion of Israel by Russia and her confederacy of Islamic nations will be destroyed by God at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, which will correlate simultaneously with the removal of the church, the rapture. Then at the end of the seven years, at the return of Christ, the millennial kingdom will become a great reality. Her temple, the sacrificial service in Israel, will occupy all the land promised to Abraham. And you find that in Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48, where we have the temple in detail that will not fit up on the temple mount that we just visited right now. Jesus will rearrange the topography as his footsteps on the Mount of Olives. It cleaves in two. Water source comes out of Jerusalem, one to the Mediterranean, the other one to the Dead Sea. You guys were there in the Dead Sea. It's shrinking. There's nothing alive in there. It will be alive. It will be full, just like the Mediterranean. So Ezekiel's book is an incredible book. If you were with us when we went through it in depth on Sunday mornings and then verse by verse at night, that's an incredible book. Now, the term millennium refers to the period of a thousand years, and there are various views regarding the millennium. But the three most prominent ones are called amillennialists, postmillennialists, and premillennialists. Millennial simply means a thousand. And then the A means no, and the post means after, and the pre means before. Okay? So, the amillennial view teaches that there will be uh, no thousand-year reign, interpreting it figuratively, introduced in the 4th century by um, a dantatist named Tychonius, who taught there is no such teaching about a literal millennial on the earth, and spiritualizes it, teaching the reign of Christ is the age of the church right now from the resurrection of Christ until the parousia. Augustine also took the thousand-year reign symbolically. So those who don't believe in a literal thousand years on the earth, they are called amillennials, and they just spiritualize it or make it figurative, okay? The post-millennial view was introduced in the 12th century by Abbot Jochen as the alternative view to the amillennialists and taught that before the end of history, there would be an age of the spirit, a period of spiritual prosperity and peace for the church on earth. That was identified with the millennial of Revelation 20, though not primarily derived from the text. Today, it is called kingdom theology. All right? 
There's going to be a time of peace and prosperity. We're going to make just the world better. It's going to get better and better. And we're just going to establish the kingdom. Hmm. The premillennialist view was introduced in the 17th century under the influence of Joseph Mead, 1586 to 1638. That teaches that there will be a literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth that will be preceded by the personal second coming of Christ and the bodily resurrection of the saints to precede the millennium. The interesting thing is that the early church fathers, Justin, Irenaeus, Tertullian, and many others that involved the first 300 years were all pre-millennialists. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. They expected the personal coming of Christ in glory to inaugurate the millennial reign on the earth before the last judgment, meaning the white throne judgment, which comes at the end of the thousand years. Um, and this was not only the interpretation of Revelation 20, but was also the Jewish expectation of the Messianic kingdom. Now, we Calvary Chapel believe in a pre tribulation pre-millennium that jesus will come for his church before the last seven years of tribulation and great tribulation we will return and reign with him and he himself will set up the kingdom we just come back with him now many today mistakenly teach replacement theology which we talked about many times teaching that the gospel that god is through with Israel, and that the church is spiritual Israel now. Totally unbiblical, and is corrupting the corrupting of prophecy. Israel and the church are two distinct groups, the wife that's been put away by divorce, and the bride made up of Jew and Gentile, who is looking for a wedding, the virgin bride of Christ. Those who believe the church will usher in the kingdom teach now, as I said, what is called kingdom theology. And so they interpret the kingdom parables as the world getting better through the influence of the church who then will usher in the kingdom. We studied Matthew 13 not too long ago. I went very slow on the kingdom parables to let you know exactly what they teach because so many people mess them up. Okay? Those kingdom parables are the picture of the church age in the absence of the king and he doesn't teach that the world gets better. It says the world gets worse. So they defy all consistent symbolisms and interpretations of those symbolism just the opposite way. Now the church is part of the kingdom, but is not the kingdom. The church will not bring in the kingdom, yet he will, the church will come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom. Worldwide evangelism does not mean worldwide conversion. For the gospel is not universally accepted, as you know. Most people reject the gospel. The teaching that the gospel has to be preached to the whole world before Jesus returns fails to recognize that an angel will preach the gospel to the whole world in Revelation 14.6. Do you realize more people know about Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola tonight than Jesus Christ? The understanding, the knowledge of Jesus has diminished through the years in spite of all of our high tech. The church has failed as much as Israel. 
God will preach that gospel through the great tribulation, through the 144, through the two witnesses, through those who come to Christ, and through the everlasting gospel of the angel that preaches. Now, Dwight Pentecost, in his book, Things to Come, great book, he says, the amount of material in the scriptures regarding the prophetic announcement of the future millennium is said to be larger than any other subject. When's the last time you heard a message in the millennium, apart from Calvary Chapel, Pasadena? More material than any other subject. That's quite a statement in view of the fact that Jesus spoke more about hell than heaven. Now, let's look at the scriptures for our answer. What about the millennium? We'll look at it through three lenses. First, the covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennium. Second, the person of Christ in relationship to the millennium. And then thirdly, the spiritual character in relationship to the millennium. These three little lenses will allow us to get a good view of what the scriptures teach about the millennium. Let's begin here with the covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennium. Now, the Abrahamic covenant regarding the land and his seed has not been fulfilled. Very important. Listen to Genesis 13, 14 through 15. God speaking to Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from, from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, and all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants. Listen, listen. Forever. Forever. Also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hand, till I may be glorified. Isaiah 60, verse 21. The land and the people go together like peanut butter and jam, beans and tortillas, okay? You don't separate them to the present day. Israel is back in the land today, but they have not possessed all the land promised to them, not even in the days of Solomon. Do you realize that Lebanon and Syria and some of those, that it's all the land of Israel? Study the borders. Israel is looking for an earthly kingdom. The church is looking for a heavenly kingdom, another contrast. God gave the provisions for their return to the land based on repentance through the regeneration. Listen to Leviticus 26, 42. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember, I will remember the land. It's all based on repentance. The Abrahamic covenant, we are told, will be fulfilled in the millennium. Listen carefully. Isaiah 2, 1 through 3. The word that Isaiah and the son of Amos concerning Judah and Jerusalem, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Zion, Jerusalem, the mountains. Not the United States, not New York, not Burbank. Okay? Location, very, very clear. Listen again. To Zechariah 13, 
8 through 9. And it shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds of it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them, and silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. Then they will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. He's talking about the Jewish nation when he pours out the Spirit during the Great Tribulation. Two of three Jews will die under the hand of the Antichrist. He just said it, two of three. Wow. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all his waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and voice of melody. Now we see the land flourish today, very fruitful. Number two fruit in the world that it exports, okay? And everything else. But we're talking about the millennial kingdom right here in the scriptures I'm giving you. It's going to blossom. It's going to be the capital of the world. All the Gentiles have to come. They give their wealth to Israel. People don't like that. Tough. Suck it up. That's God's plan. That's the way it is. The Davidic covenant also regarding the kingly throne of Messiah has not been fulfilled. Listen, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled... And you rest with your family, your fathers. I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Listen, forever. Land forever, kingdom forever. Wow. Solomon was a short-term fulfillment. Messiah, long-term fulfillment. Millennial kingdom. The Davidic covenant, we are told will be fulfilled in the millennial again. Watch, just like the land. Therefore shall come forth, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. The context is millennial kingdom. When all the nations come to Jerusalem. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 5 through 8. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will rise, raise up David's branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called. Ready? The Lord, our righteousness, the Lord to sit canoe. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord liveth, who brought us up out of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought us and led the descendants of this house of Israel from the north country, from all the countries where I had driven them, north is Russia, all the country round, and they shall dwell in their own land. Now, there's a few Jews over there right now. You got more Jews in New York than you do in Israel. Okay? They're not all back. And not all are true Israel. But they're still not all back. Ezekiel 34, 23. I will establish my shepherd over them, and I shall feed them my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, there are some prophecies like this one and others that literally speak about David reigning with Jesus. There's some prophecy that Jesus couldn't fulfill in the context. That has to be David also. That's another interesting information we get about the millennial kingdom. Interesting. 
Now, the everlasting covenant regarding the land has not been fulfilled. It will be in the fulfillment in the millennial kingdom. Listen to what he says. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants for an everlasting covenant. Everlasting land. Everlasting people. Everlasting covenant. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan is an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Genesis 17, 7 through 8. That's Abraham. Ezekiel sixteen sixty. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Context, Ezekiel sixteen sixty. They're in Babylon. They're in captivity. Okay? He's going to bring them back. <laughs> Ezekiel thirty six twenty eight through 29. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and it shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. Millennial. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have mercy on them and they shall be as though I had not cast them aside for I am the Lord their God and I will hear them. Zechariah 10.6 What do you do with all these if you make the church Israel? You just wipe out them and put us in? God's going to wipe your name out and that's it. Wow. Sun Young Moon, 1920 to 2012, believed by members of the Unification Church to be the Messiah. And the second coming of Jesus Christ, if you remember anything about him, fulfilling um, uh, Jesus' unfinished mission, he said. Church members of the Unification Church consider Sun Young Moon and his wife, Hak Ja Han, to be the true parents of the humankind and the restored Adam and Eve. You say, who's stupid enough to believe that? People? Like you and I, if we don't know Christ. People get deceived every day. They're looking for something. If they've lived long enough, they realize that really things in, in, in this world are really vain if there isn't a real God. But instead of looking and turning to the real God, they turn to those who are no gods. And they get deceived. The reality of the new covenant will be their new hearts, forgiveness of sins, and being filled with the Holy Spirit as a nation. This has not yet been fulfilled. Though Israel's back in the land, they're not re regenerated. Some of you went to Israel with us. Those tour guys, those guys that um, take us to the land, they know the Bible better than you. They're not born again. They're just Jews. They're secular Jews. They don't even practice the, the Jewish law. They're not the hard-hand Orthodox Jews, Hasidic. They're just good moral pagans. Okay? Listen to Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the days that I took them the hand and led them in the land of Egypt. My covenant, uh, they broke. 
Though I was a husband to them, thus saith the Lord, listen carefully, but this is the covenant that I will make with them, the house of Israel, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write them in their heart. I will be their God. They should be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man whose brother says, know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. That has not been fulfilled. Now that has been fulfilled for you and for me, the new heart, the new spirit, but not them. That's still to come. Ezekiel once again was very conscious of this covenant. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, there it is again, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and I will make, I will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God." Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28, 37 and 14. What do you do with all those verses? If you're going to be true to the Bible, you have to apply them to Israel. God will take his wife, Israel, back to himself. As Hosea says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord, Hosea 2, 19 and 20. As you know, Hosea was called to marry Gomer, who was a prostitute, and she had legitimate children, and then he would buy her out of the slave market as a picture of what he's going to do to his wife, Israel. God will save his remnant, prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Paul says, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. Zion. Israel. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is Israel. For this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty six to 29. Paul says, God is not through with Israel. Israel still has an incredible day ahead, but it's after many Many difficult, tragic, hard lessons through the Great Tribulation. Wow. So the covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennial will be fulfilled. Secondly, the person of Christ in relationship now to the millennium. The teaching of the scripture is clear. There can be no earthly theocratic kingdom without the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be a king, right? There's a kingdom. It's got to be a king. Listen to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. That again is eternal, okay? Upon the throne of David... And over his kingdom to order it, to establish it in judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, will perform this. Wow, there's the king. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Holy mountain right there is Mount Zion, Moriah. 
For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, 9. The whole world run by Jesus. Okay? You don't have to worry about, about Putin, Trump, or anybody else. Okay? No Pelosi, no waters, no nothing. Okay? In mercy, the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth, in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Isaiah 16, 5. The king judges, right? Isaiah 59, 20. The Redeemer, Redeemer Jesus Christ, will come from Zion. And to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, Israel, the Jews, says the Lord. Isaiah 59, 20. Now, Matthew 19, 28. Listen to what Jesus told the disciples. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Matthew 19, 28. What's he talking about? The regeneration, the millennial kingdom. The person of Christ is described by many names and titles during the millennium. The titles and names given to him give him the right to rule and reign as son of God, son of man in the kingdom age. The branch is a title. The branch of Yahweh refers to his deity and character, Isaiah 4.2. The branch of David refers to being the Messiah, as we've seen in Isaiah 11.1 and Jeremiah 23.5. Yahweh's servant, the branch, refers to his humiliation and obedience to death. Zechariah 3.8. The name whose name is the branch refers to character as the son of man, the last Adam. Zechariah 6.12-13. Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the last Adam. The Lord of hosts refers to captain of the armies of heaven. Isaiah 24, 23, 44, 6, and many other areas. These are names and titles. The Lord of hosts, you'll find it over and over and over again. Now, the Lord our righteousness, this will be that he will be called in the millennial kingdom. Jeremiah 23, 6, 33, 16. To sit. The ancient of days refers to his eternal character in Daniel 7, 13. The Most High refers to his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. Daniel 7, 22 and 23. And the Son of God refers to his deity. We just read Isaiah 9, 6. A son has been given to us. The Rod of Jesse, the Son of Man, <clears throat> the Servant, the Tender Plan, all refer to his humanity. Isaiah 11, Daniel 7, and many, many others. Let me just give you some of the other titles. King, Judge, Lawgiver, Messiah, the Prince, Prince of Peace, the Redeemer, the Son of Righteousness, the Wallbreaker, the Shepherd, the Stone. All over the Bible, Jesus presented himself as the King returning to receive a kingdom, as you know, in many of his teachings. <clears throat> the parable of the wheat and tares, Matthew thirteen twenty four through 30 and 36 through 43. The present age is the one sowing the word of God for salvation. 
from the first to the second coming. The enemy is Satan and his children. Either you're a saint or an ain't. One of the two. Okay? There's transitions going back and forth. Some are lost. They ain't. And they get repented. And they now saints. And some saints don't abide and they become ain'ts. Okay? But you want to make sure that when he comes, you're a saint. Not an ain't. Okay? It's just very important. In the parable of the pounds in Luke 19, 11 through 27, the nobleman went to receive a kingdom to return, if you remember. His servants were delivered menace and were told, do business till I come. At his return, he took account of their faithfulness and rewarded them, according judging those who did not want him to rule over them, to destroy them. The person of Christ will inaugurate the millennium. The angel of God will announce the gospel, as I said earlier in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 through 7. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I would think that's everybody, right? Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the four, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, the springs, and the water. That verse tells you that everybody's going to hear the gospel in those seven years. No one's going to be left out. You say, well, how about now? Everybody will hear at least one time before they die. How do I know that? Because God is just. He sent the Son to die for the whole world. And if he sent the Son to die for the whole world, that means even if God reveals it directly to you through an angel or him or whatever, but you will have at least one opportunity. And I guarantee you more than one. No one will be able to stand before the white throne judgment and say, God will say, why did you receive me? None of them will be able to say, because you never gave me a chance. Nope. It would be quiet because they know they are busted. Okay? Real simple. Jesus will appear at the second event to set up the kingdom age right here on the earth. Revelation 19 and 20. Uh, to save Israel by removing their blindness and giving them a new heart. We've mentioned that. Uh, Paul deals with this in Romans 11, 25 through 26. We read Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 31, 37, Ezekiel 37. You have it all over, confirming. Progressive in the Old Testament, complete in the New Testament. To return to destroy the wicked armies of the Battle of Armageddon, the beast and the false prophet. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 through 9 says God returns to take vengeance on those who have been persecuting the church, those who are godly. Revelation 19, 15 through 21, you get the preview, the actual literal battle. As Jesus returns with the two-edged sword coming from his mouth, Psalm 2 gives you the preview. Why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? And God says, I will look upon them, have them in derision. And the psalm ends with, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. Kissing an idol is the devotion of worship. He says, you want to kiss somebody? You kiss the son of God. That's who you worship. No one else. Also to judge the nations for their treatment of the Jew under the Antichrist rule. Separating the sheep from the goat. We'll begin to that in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Matthew 24 and 25, please. They are like peanut butter and jam and tacos and beans also. They go together. Don't separate them. There's no church in 24 and 25 of Matthew. It's all Israel. Matthew's writing to the Jew. 
not Jew and Gentile. Audience, audience, context, context. Very important. Matthew 25, 34 says, Then the king shall say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The beast, the false prophet, and all who receive his mark are cast into the lake of fire. Gehenna, Revelation 19.20. Then Jesus sets up the kingdom, the millennial reign upon the earth. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 4. The reasons are several. To reign as the rightful king of the kingdom. Revelation 19.16. Second, to attest to his character that he cannot lie. Numbers 23.19. Hebrews 6.18. Titus 1, 2. God can not lie. Thirdly, to establish this perfect government on the earth in his own person. Isaiah 2, 1, 4 through 4 as we read. Fourthly, to redeem the earth from the curse. Romans 8, 22 through 23. The earth groans for the return of Christ. Fifth, to establish the eternal covenant to Israel. We read Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, 37, Romans 11. And fifth, to provide the final evidence of the evil heart of man as people rebel under the rule of the Messiah at the end of the kingdom age and follow Satan. Revelation 20, verse 6 through 10. What's the excuse? Jesus is reigning. All the ferocity of all the animal kingdom has been reverted. Everybody has to come to Jerusalem once a year or not receive rain. And yet, as Satan is bound for a thousand years, God lets them loose and the majority of people follow him. Why would God do that? I can only find one reason. To shut the mouth of all psychologists they're always saying that the problem is the environment. No, 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 no. The problem is our heart. The environment facilitates your evil, but it's your heart that's the problem. Jeremiah 79, the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. Okay? You're busted. I'm busted. You can't blame nobody. The number, in, or in November of 1970, a 12-year-old boy made this pledge. I'm quoting. I declare I will establish peace on, uh, on this, um, in this world. And these were the words of Maharaj G. In three year, short years, he formed a massive worldwide organization dedicated to removing war and suffering from the face of the earth on November the 8th to the 10th at the Astrodome in Houston, Guru Maharaj Ji set forth his program <clears throat> for world peace. This gathering in Houston was more than just a large festival. It was supposedly world uh, assemblage to save humanity, the dawn of the new age. It was called millennium. By the way, dawn of the new age? That's new age. You guys who grew up in the 60s, Mary McCoo, okay, down the new age, All right. age of Aquarius. 
Interesting. By the way, she's born again now, serving God. Pretty good. Pastor Rick Warren has made the similar predictions. His program to rid the world of AIDS and poverty. Really? Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Now, let me see. Let me see. I'm going to believe Rick or Jesus. Let's see. Hmm. The influence of Satan will be removed, as I said, during the millennial kingdom. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3 is very, very clear. He's bound. He cannot deceive the nations, but he's released for a little while at the end. The tribulation saint will reign with Jesus. Listen to John. John tells immediately following John says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness of Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast in his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their right hand and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So those, Revelation 24 through 6, those who do not take the mark of the beast, if you're left behind in the rapture, do not take the mark of the beast. If you do, you're damned. There's no redemption for you. Those who die for Christ will reign with Christ. Those who survive will enter the kingdom. Okay? The people who occupy the millennial kingdom have accepted Jesus and will repopulate the kingdom, as you know. And they will, of course, have children. And their children will have to repent, just like people right now, and be born again. You and I are glorified. But those people that survive the tribulation, great tribulation, and they're the sheep, they're allowed to go in to um, repopulate, okay? Remember, Matthew will say, one is taken, the other left. That's not the rapture. One is taken into the kingdom, the other one's left for judgment, okay? Or the one is taken to judgment and then left to go in. Some people aren't sure which one it is, but it's one or the other, okay? Well, like in the days of Noah, you know, they were taken in away from the judgment, and the rest of the world perish, right? Now, the people who occupy the millennial kingdom, once again, have accepted Christ. John puts it this way. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from the prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, those whose number is as the sand of the sea, not to be confused with Ezekiel 38 and 39. Gog and Magog there, that battle is in the beginning of the seven years. This Gog and Magog is at the end of the seven years. Two different battles. Don't confuse them, okay? Ezekiel, before. Revelation, after. That's how you easily remember it, okay? On both ends, like bookends. Six times the word chilio is repeated, which literally means a thousand years as it is translated. So no one 
can deny the reign of Jesus on the earth as not being literal. Revelation 20, verse 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Okay? It's there. Listen again. Now when the thousand years have expired. Revelation 20. He's not speaking cryptically. (laughs) Six times. It is interesting that those who interpret the thousand years figuratively and spiritually only do not do the same with the binding of Satan. The thrones, the witnesses, the reigning, the resurrection of the nations are are being inconsistent in their interpretation. You cannot do that. Either they are both literal, all of them, or figurative. Which one are they? You can't split them. It's inconsistent. So the person of Christ in relationship to the millennial will be as ruling king. Very, very clear. Jesus reigns. Third and last is the spiritual character in relationship to the millennium. Because the kingdom both is physical and spiritual. The kingdom is characterized by righteousness. Remember the kingdom age again is both material and spiritual, a theocratic kingdom. Um, essentially spiritual kingdom by existing in the realm of the earth. Now, only the righteous are allowed to enter. We've seen this Isaiah 26, 2, um, 60, verse 21, and Matthew 25, 37 tell us. The one reigning is Jesus, as we've seen the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Psalm 110, verse 4, Hebrews 7, 2, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Zion shall be called the city of righteousness, Isaiah 126. Israel will offer an offering of righteousness, Malachi 3.3. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, the beatitude, Matthew 5.6. Now the kingdom is characterized by obedience. The purpose of the original creation was to establish the kingdom through complete obedience but adam blew it as you know in genesis 2 16 and 17 jesus came as the last adam to do uh, the will of god in the volume of the book it was written of him to redeem us hebrews 10 9 the kingdom age under the new covenant will allow israel to experience the new heart the new spirit the new mind as we read in jeremiah 31 33 the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh to indwell, fill, and teach people. The prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 31. You remember Peter quoted Joel 2 in the day of Pentecost? But it was twofold. At Pentecost and then during the tribulation. Okay? Because he went right on to speak about the signs and wonders falling down from heaven. He didn't make a distinction between the short-term fulfillment and the last-term fulfillment. First and second coming. Satan will be bound, as we said, for a thousand years. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3. And there will be a universal knowledge of the Lord. Doing away with ignorance, therefore disobedience or rebellion will be dealt with immediately. Isaiah 11, 9. Revelation 2.27. Immediately. Now the kingdom is characterized by holiness. The Lord will make bare his holy arm. 
revealing he is Messiah and again the victory over his enemies. Psalm 91.1 and Isaiah 52.10. The Holy Seed will be the nucleus of the restored Jewish nation. Isaiah 6.13. All those in Zion will be called holy. Isaiah 35.8-10. Jerusalem will be called holy. Joel 3.17. The Lord will be exalted in his holy mountain. I, Psalm 48.1. Jeremiah 3.23. The Lord will establish his holy house. The law of which will be holy. Ezekiel 43.12. Israel will, be, uh, will not defile his holy name forever. Ezekiel 43.7. Christ shall reign over the nations of the earth from his throne in or of his holiness. Psalm 47, 8 through 9. Listen to Isaiah 62. Zion and Jerusalem will be a crown of glory fit for the king of kings. Due to the Lord's doing in a kingly crown and a royal diadem or a tiara or mitre of the high priest which reads Holiness to the Lord. Remember the Old Testament priest? Right here. Amazing. He's, Zechariah 14, 20 through 21 says, In that day, upon the bells of the horses will be inscribed, Holiness to the Lord. And all the pots in Jerusalem and Judah shall be just as holy as the sacred vessels of the Lord's house. Millennial kingdom. Also, the kingdom is characterized by truth. Jesus himself is called truth, the ruling king. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 1 through 6. Jesus will be their God in truth and righteousness. Isaiah 65, 16. Zechariah 8, 8. Jesus will reveal unto Israel abundance of peace and truth. Jeremiah 36, 33, 6. The throne shall be established and Christ shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David. Isaiah 16, 5. Jesus will judge the peoples of the world with his truth. Psalm 96, 10. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. Zechariah 8, 3. The kingdom is characterized by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, Joel states that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. All is all. In Spanish, English, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, whatever. Joel 2, 28 and 29. This promise began at Pentecost, continues now into the millennial kingdom, the complete fulfillment. The work of the Holy Spirit will be more abundant during the millennial than at any other time in the history of man. As we've read Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, 37, throughout the world. But he will not force people to repent as he does now. The Holy Spirit is the one making the kingdom age possible, not man's abilities, not our abilities at all. On the basis 
of the computation in the Moscow Gazette. Gustavi Valbert, in his day, could report the following. Listen, quote, from the year 19 or 1496 B.C. to A.D. 1861, in these 3,358 years, there were 227 years of peace and 3,130 years of war, or 13 years of war to every year of peace. Within the last three centuries, there have been 286 wars in Europe. He added that from that year of 1500 B.C. to A.D., 1860, 1,860 more than 8,000 treaties of peace meant to remain in force forever were concluded, in other words, broken. The average time they remained in force was two years. We are not peacemakers, we're peace breakers. The only time there's going to be peace on earth, ladies and gentlemen, is when the Lord of Peace returns. I'm all for peace when you can, but too often people want a piece of you when you want peace. So you have to stand from a position of power to make sure that you are not destroyed. We live in a fallen world, absolutely fallen. The removal of the curse to the animal kingdom will be an incredible thing. Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 35 and 65, the lamb will lay down with the lion. Listen to what he says. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young um, goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw with the ox. The nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole, the den, and the weaned child shall put his hand into the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in any at all of my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. That cannot be fulfilled right now. I'd like to see how the kingdom people are going to accomplish this. How are they going to accomplish that? Get some circus trainers or what? Sickness will be removed by the king, um, reigning king, except as uh, punishment. Longevity will be also exist as a child will die at 100 years old. Isaiah 33, Jeremiah 30, Ezekiel 34 tells us. And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick, it says. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquities. Isaiah 33, 24. Amazing. Ezekiel 47, 12 says, along with the banks of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary, from Jerusalem. Their fruit will be for food. Listen. And their leaves for medicine. Interesting. Ezekiel forty-seven twelve. Those in the millennial will have natural bodies, have children, as we said earlier. But their children will have sin nature. Therefore, they have to repent of their sins. Again, Jeremiah thirty, 
31, Ezekiel 47, Zechariah 10.8, and many other passages. And so, there will be labor. It will not be a time of idleness, but a perfect economy system through labor. Because you're dealing with normal people, but Jesus is reigning. Again, you find Isaiah 62, 65, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 47. Let me read you Isaiah 65, 21 through 23. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Isaiah 65, 21 to 23. That can only be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. Many other things will be present in the kingdom. We don't have time. But much is said, and we've mentioned a little bit, peace, joy, comfort, glory, protection, economic prosperity, unified language, and worship. The millennial state will be followed by the eternal state that we'll probably look at next time. This is the millennial kingdom. Look at how much material is in the scriptures about it. People just ignore it. They just shrug it away. They just change the context of who it's for because they fit their denominational theology and doctrinal stands and corrupt the scriptures. The spiritual character and relationship to the millennial will be of a holy righteousness. And so this is what the scriptures have to say in answer to what about the millennial kingdom. The covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennial will be fulfilled. The person of Christ in relationship to the millennial will be as ruling king. And the spiritual character in relationship to the millennial will be holy righteousness. Read the text. You're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. You need to know what's happening. Father, thank you for your grace, your goodness. We thank you for your word. We pray that you continue to deal with our hearts. And Lord, for those who are listening, not through the radio or the internet, that you would deal with their hearts. If someone doesn't know you, Lord, or even those here, that they would call on your name and know that you had died for them, Lord, that only you can forgive them of their sin. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're out there in the radio somewhere in the world then Jesus loves you and Jesus can forgive you of your sin. And if you believe what he says, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that he paid the price for your sin and tasted death, you can call upon him right now and he will forgive you. He will save you. A very simple prayer of repentance is all it takes. This is your prayer if you want to accept Christ Jesus wherever you are. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you. 
as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.